Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Lifelong Learner with Matt and Janesh. Welcome back everyone to another episode of Lifelong Learner. Today I'm joined by Chris Christoffi. Thanks for joining us today, Chris. Thanks for having me, mate. Right, so I'm going to try and uh, rattle off your, your rap sheet here and I want you to fill in the blanks for me, right? So okay. uh, you're a proud father of four. Uh, you're the most rec- uh, recently this year, you were the ambassador of the Vinnie's uh, Sleep Out. So it was your fourth year? Yeah, I was, I, I was actually an ambassador since 2019. Oh, nice. I was the face of the campaign this year in yep. Victoria, over 120 um, sites across Victoria yeah, and, and Australia. Awesome, and finished off with a record ripper of 112,500 and change and still coming in. Yeah, yeah, um, we came fourth, 1,613 CEOs, yep. so it was my highest I've ever placed, 0.25% of the fundraisers, mm-hmm. which is good. Obviously, it's not the reason, but it being CEOs versus CEOs, everyone's competitive. Yeah, of course. So I like to create, a comp- an, uh, like in my business, competition without opposition, so I yep. like to push each other. So I personally called and congratulated the guy who came first is a good friend of mine, an absolute general veteran. Yeah, nice. And I issued a statement and a challenge to him saying that next year he's got up his game, even though he's beat me three years in a row, <laughs> four years in a row. And I said, I'll be the first CEO to raise a quarter of a million next year. So, um, and I know that he probably will do the same and I really hope he does. And he's just a legend, veteran Dracovic, and he's a good friend of mine. So, yeah, nice. and all the CEOs did an amazing job. We raised awareness and all for an amazing cause, but the competitive spirit of raising more each year and pushing the bar and raising an awareness, that's uh it's very easy when you're so passionate about something. Mm, yeah. And also an author of a book. We'll put that in the show notes. Tell everyone about the title of the book. It's called Your Path to Wealth Brick by Brick. So I'm in real estate. I have been since uh, 23 years, since 1999. I started my business for Eventon 16, just over 16 years ago, 21st of March, 2005. Now it's a fully integrated financial services company. We offer property advice, finance uh, property management, accounting, and uh, financial planning. So we're fully integrated. And yeah, I've encompassed, it's an Amazon bestseller across three categories. And I've encompassed my experience, what I call the Reventon formula, how to buy property, how to get the right team, how to um, know your numbers when it comes to finance, and how to really set yourself up to navigate through investing in real estate, but also compounding your wealth. Yeah, awesome. And also uh, speaker, and also I've uh, found that you had a little bit of a amateur uh, kickboxing Career too, my friend, mate. Uh, that was in a life, a life, ah. a lifetime ago. <laughs> I had seven fights. Um, I love, love martial arts. Yeah. I was more into snooker. Yeah. I, so I was doing both sports simultaneously while working three jobs um, part time. And snooker was my hobby. Um, I was playing maybe five hours a day minimum. Yeah. I had a. I've got a snooker one now called the Remington Snooker Academy in Yarraville. Yeah. And it's a sport that I've played. Kickboxing is a passion. I loved it. Had seven fights, as I mentioned, but snooker was what I grew up with for 15 years. I haven't played it. I don't play anymore because I don't uh, prioritize the time to play, mm-hmm. but I love any Q sports or fighting. Yeah, awesome. And then you also, uh, uh, Revton also sponsors a large uh, tournament, correct? We're, the, we're the biggest sponsor in Australian history. Oh, wow. Since 2010. In Q um, sports. In Q sports. Wow. Not... We're still the biggest now, but we used to put up to $250,000 a year in the sport. Yeah. I ran the biggest events in the country. Actually, my three big events called the Reventon Triple Crown, mm. all of them were the biggest in the country. Yeah, wow. So my smallest yep. was uh, two, three times the size mm-hmm. of the next biggest, which was the Australian title. Yeah. Um, actually, not two, three. 
um, at least double. Mm-hmm. And the Reventon um, Masters, Reventon Classic, and the Reventon International. I only did that once. Uh, my, I had a goal to run a, an event in Australia, 50,000, which we did. I fully sponsored it. We're talking amateur, so there's been bigger events in Australia, professionals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But we're talking like a semi-pro, a semi we can not top professional. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, and then your, your main baby, Reventon. Mm-hmm. So Reventon's been running since uh, 2005, is that 21st correct? 21st of March 2005, yeah, you've done yeah. your homework, yeah? I've tried to, I've yeah. tried to. And now, so tell me how uh, you guys are based on St Kilda Road. Head office in St Kilda Road. Yep. Um, financial planning firm's One Queen's Road, which we're just about to get a new office now with five suites to expand Reventon Accounting, CHG Planning Solutions, award-winning financial planning firm, led by one of my best mates of 30 years, Start, uh, award award winning Christopher Stilian who is an amazing financial planner mm-hmm. and what I'm really excited about is a new business which I'm not a part my wife's actually heading up and leading with my mother-in-law which is called Women Women and Wealth which is also going to be housed in One Queen's Road so um, yeah so there's a lot going on yeah so how big is now the team at Reventon across um, all sites across all sites we're close to 70 now yep yeah wow so during COVID we expanded by about 20 yep but uh, like I've been saying, it's taken me 16 years to build this. The next two years, we will double or come close to. Our foundation is rock solid. I've built a team of superstars. So before we were on, you asked me, how do I do what I do? Mm. I've got an amazing team. Like I surround myself with people that make me look good mm-hmm. and the relentless work ethic to say, I'm going to get this done or I'm going to stop breathing. So I, I kind of approach everything that I do in that manner. Although it's... Uh, it's tiring, it's rewarding, and it's fun. Yeah, awesome. What uh, what sparked the start of Riverton? I think a lot of the uh, your approach, not just with Riverton, but just in general, you're always willing to help, right? And that's kind of bled on. But yeah. what was the first starting like, oh, you know what, we're, we're going to start this? I lost everything. Mm. So I was 19. I'll, I'll reverse back a little bit. I'll make a quick and brief. Yep. 19 years old. Um, all, I'm the youngest of four kids. My father gave everyone a wedding present of 30000 mm. <laughs> So I go to my dad, can I have a thirty grand early, Dad? I'm never going to get married the way I'm going. <laughs> and he goes to me, what do you want it for, son? I want to buy a car. He goes, no. Nah. Find me a piece of real estate, Chris, and I'll give it to you. So this so is you were 19? Yeah. yeah. So I started researching real estate, and I got into my first real estate job, funny enough, yeah. at, on 570 St. Kilda Road. Yep. Bought my first property, 183900 uh, three-bedroom townhouse in Tweed. Which I then sold six years later for three twenty eight. So I made a four hundred eighty percent return on my thirty thousand. But what happened during that process? I fell in love with the property industry. I found good people. I was a bit lucky because the timing of the market was fantastic. So, I by the age of twenty three, I bought eighty investment properties. Yeah, wow. Um, I was I was a national manager at a big firm, making three to four hundred thousand dollars a year, doing quite well. Then it all went. The company went to receivership. My son, because I had a son when I was 23, got back to a meningitis and almost died. This all happened in six, 12 months. I lost all my properties, lost everything I had. Had to move back into my parents and my son going through a failed relationship and my son's almost yeah. died, which was the worst by far, of course. Mm. And then I'm sitting at home and uh, I was in a debt of 348000 and I thought, I need to do something, I need to get out of it. Yeah. Now, Surely I was tired and I thought, this is so challenging. But I thought, what message would I give my son if I, if I quit now and I'd mm. fight? So I built a small office on the corner of my mum's house, which is kind of in my living room. I've got photos of this place and it was 1-800 number, Reventon. 
bought 10 leads, created a couple sales, generated revenue, bought 10 leads, duplicated that process over and over again. 2008, I scaled. My goal was to become fully integrated, get the finance, the accounting. Mm-hmm. So I got a full finance license, a full property license, principal licensee, and slowly, slowly, I was acquiring all these businesses. Mm-hmm. And six years ago, I launched accounting, financial planning with my business partner I mentioned. He's the brains and the work behind it is awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, property management. So yeah. I always had a, while I was outsourcing all these businesses, I always looked at what's an ancillary service, how can I have um, a complimentary service where I can control the process but be accountable to my clients? Because mm. I'm always accountable with everything I do and I want to serve my clients as best as possible. So I thought I need to be the the front. So when I was opening new brands, my clients had an idea of what I operated like. Mm-hmm. Within six months, it became a profitable venture. Yep. So now we run multiple businesses based on the same principle and uh, yeah. Yeah, awesome. I want to go back a little bit. When um, So when you lost those properties mm-hmm. and... Was it, there was the timeline of like, did you know once the, the parent company that you're working for going to receivership, did you, could you see potentially go? I could oh, see sh- it about a year before that. Yeah. That I was loyal or stupid or both. Yeah. And I went down with the ship, but also what happened at that time, and I'm so grateful I had the experience, I wasn't ready for the level of income I was earning and I was mm. over leveraged. Mm. So I was positioned to make so much money yep. if things were great. Mm-hmm. If all my had my tenants, if my income was in, if rates didn't go up, if all these variables were happened, and now considering I lost my income, yeah, my son became deaf, which I didn't take well, so I was behaving like a twenty-four-year-old that lost everything. Mm-hmm. So the the slope was even slipperier. Yeah, and obviously with my son, I wasn't I wasn't in a good frame of mind, but I knew what I had to do. So when I wrote these books that we spoke about before in the Reventon formula, I talk about safety nets, how to buy property, because I knew a formula, I knew I knew what worked. Yep. I just over leveraged, yep. I lost my revenue, and I didn't handle it right. But yep. that positioned me to, the hunger was 10 times more intense for mm. me. So I wanted to, I had two goals when I started Reventon. Number one, to pay back the 348,000 that I owed people. Mm-hmm. I racked up credit card debt, I borrowed money off people to try to get myself out of things, whatever the case may be and to show people how to build financial security through real estate. So from 19 to 24, I built a multi-million dollar property portfolio. The next few years, I I focused on building a business, paying off my debt. And within a short period of time, I bought over 20 again through using the same formula. Mm -hmm. So I know that it works and I've helped over 3,000 clients use the Reventon formula. It's also outlined in my book. So I knew I could do it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I could, without sounding arrogant, can do it better because of the accountability, because of what I've seen in the past, referring it to this person or to that person, I want to control the full process, A to Z, and just surround myself with great people. Having said that, it's taken 16 years to find the right team. Yeah, definitely. And now I feel that, and we're also in our prime, obviously, we'll get, we're at that point now, we've got good experience, 16 years in business, amazing people behind us. I've learned a lot through making errors and just growing as a professional, personally and and professionally and now we're ready to really expand so the name uh, Reventon will be expanded CHC and as I mentioned at the start women in wealth you're going to start to hear these names a lot more yeah no great and so what uh again I want to dissect a few few, few things you said there Far away. in terms of when um you said oh look you were over leveraged and then uh there was a safety net but not not probably as much as you needed but now um is do you think now it that experience there changed your your risk appetite or did it just go, you know what? Yeah, did, did it change your risk appetite? I was young, 
But when I said safety nets, I didn't have many safety nets yeah. then. Yeah. I could have made more money. Yeah. But if things go right. So did it change what we had? I don't know. Being <laughs> being ethnic and like giving things a go, <laughs> I have a very high tolerance to risk. Yeah. But being strategic about that risk is super important. Mm. And I take my client's money that serious that it's different if it's your own money. Mm. But now I've, I look at things from a more mature lens. Yeah. I'm just as attacking, but I'm more strategic. Yeah. So, and I and I don't. I make sure my clients avoid LMI. They don't cross collateralize. They don't over leverage. Mm. And if they if they're hell bent on making a decision, I need to educate them on the risk associated with them, me or my team. Yeah. So has it changed it? Um, I've matured. I think from a 25 year old to a 41 year old, which I'm now, my maturity's changed. But yeah, my appetite to risk, calculated strategic risk. Yeah. I'm all for it because that's where you're also going to grow. Mm. So I don't want to not grow. Yeah, definitely. Where do you think like today's society is with risk and and money? Like I think there's usually, and you probably see a lot more camps than what I'm referring to. Like camp A is like super conservative, let's save this nest egg and then purchase property to do something. But the other, there's another another camp that would happy to take risks to uh, either. Take that, take that loan to start that business venture. You're describing my mum and dad now. <laughs> right. So, so basically my grandfathers, both of them, mm-hmm. very smart, beautiful men. Um, my father's father, most conservative as anything, died renting with no money, hardworking. F- um, there was nine and 11 kids. Mm-hmm. So if you read the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah. they were my grandfathers, yeah, ironically. Wow. So my mum's father was a butcher, had nine kids, gave them all real estate and told them you must invest in real estate. Wow. Here's my mum. And can I buy one? She'll buy 10. Here's my dad, as conservative as anything. Yeah. So here along, they're both um, arguing for years, buy property, I don't want to buy property. But if anyone knows anyone ethnic, an ethnic woman nagging is going to get the best of you. Oh, so eventually she wore him down. Yeah, exactly. They're gonna so say my yes, dad right. bought one property, two properties, three properties, four properties, and my dad saw that that was the way to accumulate wealth. Mm. So when he gave me that money with a condition, and it wasn't the money that helped me, it was the, it was the condition. condition. So the old adage is, if you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. If you teach him to fish, he can eat every day. Mm. So for my dad giving me that money, it wasn't the money that helped me because I, I, have, I have an ability to make money. It was the condition. Mm. Then I just fell in love with the process. Yeah. And I fell in love with the process to the point where I became obsessed. Mm-hmm. Like when I was talking about my target previously, when I fall in love with whether that be a business, whether that be a target, mm-hmm. I become obsessive to the point where I know it inside out, back to front, sidewards. I'll involve everybody and I'll drive people crazy. Mm-hmm. So if you walked into my office and you spoke to them about the Vinny CO campaign, mm-hmm. who donated, how donated, I bet you 90% of my team will actually know the answer to those questions. Yeah. That's how crazy I drive them. And with work, it's the same. With building wealth for my clients, it's the same. And what I saw when I experienced, if it doesn't go right, what happened, mm-hmm. I made it my life's work and my life's mission to find that answer so I can provide it for my clients so they can build their wealth. So when I have clients that come to me in five years, they've paid off their mortgage, they own five properties, they've knocked off their mortgage in two years, a specific client was saving 109,000 interest, $220 a month, but they then bought a property with that, grew 170 grand in two years, that's a $300,000 difference mm-hmm. to a, I'm not, a, not a high income or a high net worth family. Mm-hmm. That's exponential. Mm. And then the second, third, fourth time they do it, it really compounds their wealth. And for me, it just as I mentioned before, it became an obsession to learn more about it. Yeah, yeah awesome. Well, how would you, are you seeing either couples or business partners come to you that both of them have potentially have different risk tolerances? See it all the time. Right, and different, um, different mindsets and of, of money. 
Yep. Right. See it all the time. That's yeah. a very common thing. Um, how do you navigate that? Because a lot of them are like, you know what? Sometimes, like I'm of the person of like, money will come. Right. If you worry about it, it probably won't come. Right. Uh, but there's also people, and there's value on both Depends sides. Depends if you come from abundance or scarcity. Mm. I always know money's going to be surrounded by me. Everything I mm. need. I don't have a little bit of it. I have it in abundance. Anything you mention, mm. I know I have it in abundance mm -hmm. because I look around and it's there. Yeah. But I believe I attract it yes. and I give it. So the answer to... Um, so how well, do you navigate those two? Like those Very simple. Very yeah. simple. How do you navigate an argument or a difference of opinion? How would you navigate it? To get them to say their piece, right? Compromise. Yeah. And say, listen, your view's this, your view's this. Mm-hmm. Let's look at where you are financially. Let's look at where you want to be. Now, I'm not here as your friend or your family. I'm here to tell you, this is what it looks like financially. 83% of Australians, 95% uh, of Australians are going to retire under what they need in, in, in retirement. 83% of people don't even know that's where they're heading along those statistics. I'm here to show you that this is where we're going to head if we don't do something. How important is it to you? But before you jump at every opportunity, before you say no, let's get the information. Let's look at what an educated investor will do. Mm -hmm. Would he ponder over not having the answers and it's too hard for me or to get the answers to his questions. So if people give you all their concerns and you answer those questions, what's the natural thing you're going to do? You're going to feel comfortable and you're going to proceed. Mm -hmm. So my job isn't to twist their arm, make them proceed. Mm -hmm. My job is to show them here's an alternative, but also if you don't act, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. So let's get that information mm -hmm. and let's meet in the middle. And I say to them, obviously you compromised at one stage, you're married. Mm. Yeah. So let's look at the middle. If you're conservative and if you're not, Let's start slow and let's build momentum. Yeah. Now, obviously, it depends on a number of factors. How old are you? What your debt levels are? What's your net disposable income? Mm -hmm. Depend on how aggressive you should be towards a certain strategy. Mm -hmm. Having said that, when you start, people have the, uh, they're more comfortable to start small and build up. Mm -hmm. And for me, I take a long-term view when I deal with clients or when I deal with my business. Mm -hmm. I don't want to sell a client one property. I want to sell them five or 10 mm -hmm. over 10, 15, 20 years. Yeah, definitely. So let me make sure that the first one works second, third, and fourth, and take my time educating mm. you, helping you. Mm. Are you. Are you more comfortable the second, third time you do something? Yeah, of course, right? The first time you got behind the wheel of the car, were you nervous? Yeah. Are definitely. you nervous now? No. Investing's the same. It's yeah. about knowledge. It's about familiarity. Mm. It's about building the confidence mm -hmm. to be able to have competence to do something. So my job and my team's job mm -hmm. is to take our client along the journey. We don't sell anything at Reventon. We never have. Clients buy off us, yeah, because we take them along that that process. Yeah, so education is probably a big part in in the client journey for for you guys at Reviton. Well, educa education's knowledge. Knowledge is power, but if you don't implement, it, you don't act. So, yeah. with new information comes a new decision. So, my job is to make sure they understand what they're doing. But the cost of not doing something mm. is also important. Oh, definitely. So, for me, I make I make them very very clear. Yeah. And then went, oh, I'm doing better than my next door neighbor or my friend who's, who's also in the 95% of people being broke. Okay, that's, that's not who you should be comparing to. Mm. 1.2 million per person is what you need in retirement. If you have a better lifestyle, you need more. Mm. It's a maths game. Yeah. So when they look at it like that, people start to understand. And it, it might take them a little bit longer. You've been debt-free all your life. You're very conservative. You know, I don't want to have a bigger mortgage. But having good debt, Mm -hmm. is the only way that I've ever seen, and I've seen a lot of cases, yeah. build wealth. But understanding the difference between good debt and bad debt mm -hmm. is paramount. Yeah. My job is to explain it. It's not like having a million-dollar home loan. Mm. It's an investment debt, which comes with tax efficiencies, which comes with rental income, which comes with capital growth, which you can borrow against and use and leverage and go again and again, because mm -hmm. repeating a process. One property is not going to set you free. No. Two or three will start to get you there. Mm -hmm. Four or five, it's a stepping stone approach. Yeah, and 
our clients, as I said to them, oh, how many can we buy? I go, oh, let's look at one let's first. Let's start with one. Because, you know, they also can scare someone at the start as well. How many properties? I go, let's go with one. Let's and I can assess a client because I can read people because yeah. it's what I do. Yeah. How, um, just, I lost my train of thought there. How was that? Uh, when you That's mentioned gone. before, Ari, the, the, risk, the risk levels and the tolerances and that, it comes down to speaking to people and understanding the psychology on how they make decisions. Mm-hmm. How would I know? I ask a series of questions. Have you done this before? Mm-hmm. What would stop you from doing this? Have yeah. you ever thought about this? Do you know anyone that's done this before? Mm-hmm. Are they an expert in their field? Yeah. So it comes down to peeling like an onion, peeling down the layers, mm-hmm. understanding why you're conservative. Why are you not risk averse? I need to understand that process and slowly, slowly build upon that to build their wealth. Yeah. So I, I now remember what it was. Uh, you mentioned um, you educate and tell your clients on uh, the risks on of and the cost of not doing something. Of course. Right? And uh, in previous episodes, we've talked about like the importance of like it's a it's a choice either way. You can choose to do 100%. something. Hundred percent. And if you don't do it, you're subconsciously choosing not to do you're it. You're making right? a decision. No yeah. decision is a decision. Exactly. My coach told me that all the time. Right. And yep. why do you think society as a whole? like not just in financial services, as a whole, don't look at the cost of not doing it. It's an easy answer, that one. It's because I've thought about it and pondered over it for so many hours. Yeah. It's fear. It's mm. uncomfortable. But forget to A to B, you've got to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to get off your couch, go into an office, grab your card, take risks, go into the bank and take that next level. I don't. People feel what they don't understand or what they don't know. Mm-hmm. If you could pick comfortable or not comfortable, what are you picking? Oh, me, I'll go uncomfortable, right? Because I know there's growth there. But I'm saying in terms of wealth, I agree with you. In terms of wealth, you're generally comfortable, right? Yeah. But why won't people make the decision? Because I don't know, it's a fear of the unknown. Mm. But consciously, subconsciously, they're they're not making that decision because of fear, knowledge. What if something goes wrong? What if I lose everything? Mm. But I say to them, you know what? What if it works? Let's use an example. And this is the best example. Mm -hmm. I've said it over and over, and I love this. The biggest risk you'll ever take in your life when it comes to investing is not investing because you have zero chance of achieving your retirement. Is there any riskier strategy than no chance of achieving your retirement? Mm. They go to me, no, never seen it like that. So your strategy that you're employing has 100% maximum risk or for you to end up broke. Mm. I've never saw it that way. Let's look at alternative B. We invest, we can achieve our retirement Mm -hmm. and if if we're conservative and smart and got the right safety nets, we look at the, uh, uh, an asset class that doubles every cent to 10 years in one of the strongest markets in the world, Australia is when it comes mm-hmm. to real estate, and a bank will give you 95% against something, which, by the way, a bank doesn't give out money, they assess risk. That's mm. what I think a bank does. Yeah. So if a bank will give you 95%, it's pretty safe. Yeah. So if we yeah. can look at that and we put all these safe nets in place, mm-hmm. you're setting yourself up in the right manner to be able to retire, to repeat a process and build your wealth. That's one alternative. Yeah. The other alternative is let's play it out for 20, 30 years and I play it out for them and I show them what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Okay, you got a million dollar house. Hopefully it's paid off. Mm-hmm. 200 grand in super. Um, average Australian, 86 for a female, 82 to male. We're, we're living longer because of life expectancy, medicine's getting better, all that. Let's go with 85. Let's mm-hmm. use the middle. You retire at 65. The government's saying longer because you need to put more money in super, which you're seeing now. Super's increasing. Yeah. Why? Because the government's in debt. Oh, sorry, we're in debt as an economy <laughs> and they need us to be self-funded retirees. Yeah. Put that aside because that's another conversation. <laughs> so if they say to us, all right, you're, you're 25, 20 years re- retired. Mm-hmm. How much did you have in super? Uh, 200. What was your income? 100. All right. How long will that last you? I got two years. What are you going to do for the other 18? They can't sell the house. You can't eat the walls. It's got no income producing assets. And they go, oh, exactly. 
And if you sell this house in this market, you're going to have to buy in this market. Mm. So we need to start thinking about that now. Yeah. So we mentioned this, and I hate, it's actually really refreshing we never brought up COVID, but when we brought that conversation up, how did you prepare for COVID, Chris? I said, I prepared for COVID 15 years ago. When I started my business, when I lost everything, I built all these other arms and these incomes, which was then six years after, before that, I was able to sustain what COVID bought me the unknown because I was prepared then. Mm-hmm. You can't prepare for COVID when COVID hits you. It's mm-hmm. got to be beforehand. So for the people that didn't prepare for it, I'm saying to you, please prepare for the next thing that will happen. Because mm-hmm. one thing's categorically for sure, something's going to happen. Oh, it's going to happen. Please have your house paid off. Please make sure you've got investments. Please ensure that you have the right financial structure. Imagine if you uh, go through COVID, you're debt-free. You've got money in the bank. Mm-hmm. You've got assets. You're not worried about you losing your job or what's going to happen. I want people to think about that for the next time. Because for me, when COVID hit, I, was, I wasn't as stressed, even though it was a tough time. Mm. I went through that with my son. I lost it all. Yeah. I also had, you know, we've had GFCs. We've had so many things so in many 16. Things. I've navigated through so many things. Elections changed. Uh, bias sentiment changed. So although it wasn't a pandemic, I was preparing for this a long time ago. And what I'm saying to the listeners, and I hope, I hope if they take one thing away from this uh, podcast, that's please prepare for what's going to happen next, your retirement. Because I ask this question a lot to people. What's the biggest debt you're going to have in your life ever? Probably regret. No, the biggest debt. Biggest, biggest debt. Yeah. Probably your, your house. Or Everyone your business, says that. Let me business. ask you a question. Yeah. A beautiful house, a couple million, three million, whatever yeah. it may be. Your retirement's going to be a bigger debt than that. It would be. But people never see it like that. Mm. They say, the biggest debt's my house. 95% of people yep. will answer my house. Mm. Well, no, it's not. Retirement. Your retirement is. So you need to start planning for yeah, that. Interesting. But out of sight, out of mind. Mm. My retirement is 30 years away. It's 20 years away. It's 10 years away. It's going to creep up on you. Yeah. And even if it is 30 years away, why not prepare? Yeah. Why don't you use time to your advantage? So mm. for me, I started planning for my retirement when I was 19. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was able, I uh, got into a good position at 23, 24. Yep. Lost it all. Used the formula. Learned from it. Helped over 3,000 clients. I got back into a position where if I wanted to say I'm done, I'm done. But mm-hmm. for me... I couldn't think of anything worse for me yeah. personally. I love what I do. I love speaking to people. I love helping more families. If someone said to me, and I say this to a lot of people, if I wrote a check, 10 million, 100 million, a billion, whatever the figure is, well, you're, you're set, your kids are set, your kids, are, kids, kids are set, what would you do tomorrow? And my answer is, I'll go to work. Mm. Now yeah. I'll take my family for but For me, not being, I love, I love being at home, mm-hmm. but I love every Monday. I love going to, Monday's Friday for me. Mm. Yeah, going same. to work is... Yeah. So for me, finding something that you love, and we mentioned philanthropy at the start, that's my other passion. When I, when I have a target to hit and I'm helping someone, mm-hmm. I use my competitive nature, I rally behind everything that I've got and I put my resource towards it. That's why Vinny's has been a passion for me for four years and we've hit our targets four years in a row. And I know it's not about targets, it's about a lot of other things, but that's what I use at the forefront of my campaign to ensure that I create impact through funds because that's what I am. I'm, I'm a left brainer. So for me, mm. it's about numbers. Yeah, definitely. Now with great segue into the sleep out, what was, what originally attracted you to, to the cause uh, about, um, about people not having a home, not having a roof, right? What, what originally attracted you to that and has continued to fuel you? Um, your passion for for that cause that you've been closely I, tied to? I haven't got the best answer because people go, Chris, did uh, homelessness happen to you or someone around you? The answer is not at all. Mm. Um, so I haven't got an answer that's going to say, you know, someone inside of my family passed of cancer and I follow the Cancer Foundation. It's not a story like that. The story of it is 
My father taught me to be a good, a good giving, compassionate human being. If someone's struggling, I want to be able to help them, offer them hope, whether that be money, whether that be walk past them with a smile. It's just a set of circumstances. That can happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. And I think when you show kindness to someone that you can't gain anything from, it says more about you as a person. So why did they get involved four years ago? Because I had a friend of mine. I do a lot of things that I don't want to mention for many years. And they said, you need to do the videos. I go, I don't want to do it. And I wasn't on social media. Mm-hmm because I don't like being on social media, but now I do business, I guess I have to. I said, I want to do it because I want to do it, not because I'm saying that I wanted to do it. The reason now I do that a lot is that I can see the impact it creates. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm doing a lot of social media, I'm doing a lot of philanthropy with Vinny's, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing the impact I'm creating. So the answer is, I just want to be able to help um, someone going through a tough time. It's a vicious cycle, second, third generation homeless, not having any benefits, 116,427, Australians uh, are homeless each night, 256,000 sleep rough. Now that that number's increased by 13.7% since COVID. 15,800 kids under the age of 12 are homeless. And they've got three in that category. Mm -hmm. The fastest growing groups, women over 55, single women, like these things shouldn't be happening. We're the most livable city or one of the best countries in the world. So it's about, uh, it's, and I also, I always take this approach. If I'm on the street and you walk past me, I'm only doing what I'd want you to do to me. Mm. Give me a smile. Give me some money. Give me some food. That's the and if and also too, I think um, as hard as this is, I know where I don't like uh, judging someone if they're down. That might just be a bad set of circumstances. I might need a little bit of help, a little bit of luck, a little bit of light. And you know, I, I want to be able to do that. So the work I do with Vinny's or with anything of that nature. There's something inside me that moves when I do it that I just want to do more. So, which which is why I came up with that house brick by brick because I thought if I can inspire more people mm-hmm. or give more money or donate more money or donate more time, I want to do that. And it gives you it gives you a purpose. Mm, yeah, definitely. I think um, yeah, I think that that smile. I think that notion of giving something that someone might with no expectation or intention of getting return is rewarding in itself. Can I tell you a secret though? It's the law of reciprocity. So here's a selfish reason to why I do it. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think I've ever shared this. I've never shared this. Because I know that I'm surrounded with everything that I need always. Remember I told you abundance? Mm. Whether it be luck, whether that be love, whether it be money, if anyone would describe me that knows me, they'll say, that guy's the luckiest human being on this planet. Mm. And I genuinely believe that. So the law of reciprocity is I'm always surrounded with good people, mm-hmm. like my team at work, an amazing family. And I'm just surrounded by that. Is it because the energy that I put out is the same? Maybe. But I do it because, as I said, I'm in a position to do it. Mm-hmm. I think it's as leaders, we should do it. Definitely. And whatever we can do, whether that be money, whether that be time, I'm fortunate and privileged enough to do both, do it. Yeah. What's the worst that's going to happen? You're going to help someone? That's a good scenario. And like I say, giving's contagious. We should pass it on. Oh, exactly. And, um, it comes back yeah. tenfold, right? It comes it, back you know what tenfold. it does? And if you do it and there's a book, there's, it's, it's in one of... Was it Think and Grow Rich or, or an aerobic Kiyosaki will give law of reciprocity? If you do it, I think it's the, I think it's Richard Paul that I forget. I've read so many of books around that nature. If you give without expecting anything in return, mm. that's when it comes back. Mm. So for me, um, as I said, uh, there's nothing that I need. There's nothing that I don't have. Mm-hmm. And I'm surrounded with everything. So giving something to me, like my father, taught me is very important it's it's the it's my life's work mm. seeing my kids i came home from the sleep out my five-year-old drew a picture of me sleeping on the streets mm-hmm. 
My other daughter writes a video, say thanks for raising money for the homeless. And I go to my daughter Penelope, she goes, what are these toys? She goes, I want to give them to the homeless. So when we walk past, we always give money or food. So every Christmas tradition I've been doing for over 10 years, I'll get five or 10 cards. I'll put a few hundred dollars in each. I'll go to a food shop and buy food, drinks, and we'll all write one to two cards. There's six of us. My little ones are a bit scared at times because they're a little bit freaked out, but I explain to them, you know, why mm. someone's there. We give the card, we sit there, we let them read and we talk to them. Mm. And I go to the kids, that could be us. So it's important. They go, why are they there, Daddy? They've, okay, they've got no home. Mm. So we do that on a yearly basis and that's why a friend told me you've got to do the videos. I said, I don't want to. But after a couple of years, I go, you know what, I'll give it a go once. Yep. I did it. Fell in love with the process, fell in love with the people. And then it was just all bond. The first LinkedIn video I ever did, mm-hmm. the first LinkedIn video, because I told you on social media, was for Vinny's. Yeah, nice. So if you go to my LinkedIn profile and you go to articles, yeah. it was it's called fun. my first time. Yeah. <laughs> it was written out. Um, it was a Vinny's article. Yeah. And, nice. I never, and then I got off social media for about <laughs> two years. And I've been posting regularly now for about six to 12 months, which I guess we have to do it. We have to be on it now for business. But if there was no business benefits to it, you would never see me on any of these mm. things. But mm-hmm. I'm doing it purely and simply because, and it's a competitive landscape and I need to. But it also, it's helping me raise awareness for the Vinnies, which I'm very proud of. Mm, yeah. I think going back to when you said that mindset of, of abundance, right? Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer that mindset of abundance that go, if you think you're rich, you'll, you, you're rich, right? If you think there's enough, and I think it's interesting because I think uh, when you're talking about oh, stopping and giving food or giving money, um, Growing up and traveling with my parents, my parents would always say, oh, look, uh, they would never give um, money to a homeless person, but they would give food. They'd go, you know what, when was the last time you ate? And I think that's passed on to I love that. To, to me and now to my family. We lived in the States for a while and always there's this uh, grocery store that we would go to and always there's be always, and when you go out, there's always, without fail, night or day, there's someone homeless on the traffic lights. We'd always, every time we go, we'd go, let's... Um, Let's buy another loaf of bread. Let's buy this. So important though. 100%. Because then we'll put the window down and go, when was your last meal? And they go, oh, a couple of days ago. Here you go. You know, people this. don't even look at you. So for two days last year, I did the virtual sleep out on the street with mm. no money. Yeah. And I was trying to raise money to see if people would not even look at me. So they'd walk past and they wouldn't even look at me. And I'm thinking, wow. It's, but I also think it's not ignorance, a, a pretty strong word. I think it's more education it's more about awareness it's more about knowledge understanding that when i hear some of the stories the the vinnies people say you'll never ever imagine Mm. i've heard people that own international businesses lose it all Mm. they might have lost the relationship got hooked on drugs lost whatever the case is and you know what happens after one bad decision it spirals right it It spirals yeah and then no one shows you hope so dark becomes darker Mm -hmm. so as i said if that was me I'd hope someone would walk past and do the same. Yeah. It could be anyone. As my dad said, if you've got two, Chris, give give one. Yeah. For me, if I've got two, happy to give them both. Yeah, exactly. I'll go get two more. Yeah. Because it's kind of I'm I'm fortunate enough to be healthy enough to do it. Mm-hmm. So um, and I see my kids discussing things like that with me. We did the Vinnies once where we uh, went to the soup kitchen. My mm. son came, and seeing that, I thought to myself, it makes you realize because sometimes you forget if you're healthy and you're in Australia and you've got a house and you can eat good nice food. Pretty much got everything you're you need. Like you're pretty, pretty fortunate. Mm. Sometimes when I look at, hey, I wish I had this. I, I need to do this. Now I'm like that from a business sense. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. Because it's about levels. And it's not about the wealth of the levels, even though wealth's important to me and I make no secrets about it. It's about the level of 
knowledge, the level of work ethic, the level of strategic planning to get to that next level, mm -hmm. that's what inspires me. Yeah. It's not the financial reward. Because if you yeah. get better, what's going to follow? It's always going to follow. It's always going to follow, right? So yeah. that, that for me is the key driver. Yeah. From a, from a giving perspective though, I remember my uncle once said to me, Chris, what do you earn? I told him X. Okay. That's even more important, Chris. Goes what you do with it. How much do you do? All right. Goes why do you want to do what you do? I said because I want to help people, and his words will stay with me for as long as I'm here. He goes get into a true position of power, then you'll truly help someone. So I think if you build your wealth, mm -hmm. it actually if if you see someone wealthy, you'll see what character they've got. It builds character, doesn't reveal it. Wealth, it it, it builds character, doesn't reveal. Mm -hmm. Sorry, it reveals character, yeah. doesn't reveal it. So it, it accentuates it. who you are. Yeah, definitely. Yeah? yeah, it reveals who you are. It doesn't build character. It just shows, are you a nice person? You're yeah. a bit of a nicer person. Are you an asshole? You're a big an asshole. Yeah, exactly. So it kind of shows that, and that, that's what really made me happy to hear my uncle say that to me, and I thought, those words are going to stay with me forever. Yeah, awesome. What do you think currently, and I don't know if it's generational or, or not, but that um, mindset of abundance, yep. um, I wouldn't say it's hard to find. I mean, well, it depends. Like, again, my, my circle and unfortunately my team um, all think that way, right? Or most, for the most part, when uh, and we kind of, we kind of Do you believe that. in energy? Yeah, definitely. Okay, definitely, so here right? it is. Here, here's what I think with yeah. that answer is. You attract people the same? Go oh, yeah, towards them. So if you're negative and you can't break out of this scarcity mindset or I wish I had this or like that, hang around people that believe things different. Mm. Now, I have got free... Not all my friends are positive. Not all my friends think that, but I don't engage in long conversations Definitely. and my mindset doesn't change. The people that are around me that share, the way they think and the way they talk mm. is different. Mm. The way they walk, the way they perceive themselves, yep. different. Yep. Hang around people like that. So why is it difficult? No, but what do you think the, the society as a whole, that's not the majority of society, right? Okay. So as a whole, why do you think potentially... Good question. Right? Um, yeah. What, 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 okay, uh, what sells in the media? Right, all the shit stuff, right? Why? All the bad stuff. Why? Because people tune into it. Because you're programmed to look at exactly. your reticular activating yeah. system programmed to look at things it looks for, yeah. which is negative. Yeah. I've reprogrammed my mindset to look for positive yeah. things. Like misery likes company, right? Of course. So for me, I've programmed to look for specific things mm. that make, inspire me and are happy. Now, it's hard when you've got your inner circle, whether that be work, whether that be family, whether that be friends, that are, let's just say, don't believe the things you believe or a mm -hmm. little bit more negative. Yeah. I don't engage with that too much. So yeah. for me, um, someone told me a long time ago, uh, Gicko, garbage in, garbage out. What you put in your head is what you say. Yeah. I put only good things in my head mm -hmm. and positive things. And I've always felt that way. And as I said, I'm the luckiest human being alive because I believe I'm the luckiest human being alive. Mm. And people that have known me for years will say, gee, that guy's lucky. Right. But I am. But you got to believe it, right? If you don't believe it, if you don't intrinsically truly believe it yourself, no one else is going to believe it. So if, if you're going to go, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm going to be an athlete or I'm going to be successful, if you don't believe it yourself. You've got to visualise it. I'm going to tell you yeah. one really funny story. I mentioned it with my wife for walking the other day. Eight of us, we went to London. There was one room. We went for a wedding many years ago, many years ago. And um, it's me and my wife. And I go, listen, there's one room. Who's going to get it? I've got a suggestion, but I don't want to hear anyone whinge about it. They go, what? Someone turns around. We pick numbers, and whoever picks gets the room. But if it's me, no one whinges. You guys pick one to eight if it's me. Now, everyone, mathematically, what have you got? One in eight, 13.3% chance? Under 13, right? Whatever it is. 13% chance, 
For me, it was like 50 or 60. Who do they pick? Me. So I get the room and I'm in there with my wife and I can hear him whinging about me. That guy's so lucky. And I actually predict this is what's going to happen. As I said, that's one, one little silly story, but I find it funny that I still came out on top. Yeah, that's, right. It's only 30%, but I genuinely thought they're going to use my name and they did. Awesome. Um, Chris, what's one thing that you would like to leave our listeners uh, with um, to, to wrap us up? One final thought uh, that can encompass a bit of, bit of everything, not just financial services, but in terms of an outlook, a view to challenge them. And I usually try to give our listeners something, you know what, try this this week. Hang around with good people. Watch you say your thoughts are things so they're super powerful. So here's two little things that I do all the time. Always makes me happy. How are you going today? People ask that question. It's the most common questions. How you respond. If anyone knows me, you can try this, by the way, and you'll see how much, if I do it or not. How are you going? I say two things. Live in the dream. Or if it's a message, I'll put LTD, an acronym. They go, what the hell is that? I go, live in the dream. And when I leave, I always say, have a beautiful day. Have a nice day. Always. Always do those two things. So it puts me in a good frame of mind. So one thing, the answer to your question is hang around good people that are positive, that make you feel good about yourself, and hang around people that push the limits, that push the boundaries so they can grow. So they think different, they are different, and um, be grateful for what you've got. And that's for me, that's the most important. I'm very grateful and I've got great people. And yeah, so I hope that answers your question. Yeah. But yeah, those, yeah, do those few things. I'll be keen to hear what your thoughts are. You can follow me on LinkedIn. I post every single day or at least six times a week. And I'd really like to know if they made a difference. I know they'll definitely make someone smile. Yeah, definitely. And so, Chris, where can our listeners find you? Um, I'm Is always in the best place or yeah, as I told you I'm tripling down on my content so I'm on Facebook I'm on Insta but not really I only started about a year ago LinkedIn I'm on every day um, Chris at Reventon.com.au so I'm at Reventon which is my my main business and um, yeah most of my links are there I'm pretty easy to contact yeah so LinkedIn's probably the, the easiest one yeah awesome awesome Chris thanks again for, for joining us today uh, you do amazing work in not only the financial space but I think the the Vinnies and the, the giving back, um, you're a person that genuinely wants to help, right? And I say that, I don't say that lightly. I say Thank that, um, and the guests that we have on the podcast, I say they're good fucking humans, right? That's um, good. Thank you. It right? means a lot to me. And um, I always go, you know what, let's, ha-, and what you're spreading out in the world is awesome. So what Thank you, you do for uh, your team, uh, others um, here in our, we're, we're part of a community here at Cub but um, yeah, I love Cub right and you're always willing to help other members right like you're always willing to go hey you know what I'll get on the phone call with you because I went through that five years ago and I can I can help you speed that you made up. a real good point and I'm sorry and the last thing I'll say when I ask people things they say yes I'm compelled to say yes people helped me along the way to get here you can't forget that so, you know, you just said it's very important. I'm, I hang around people that say, yes, yeah. I'll help you. Mm-hmm. Someone help me, though. That's how I'm here. I never got here on my own. Exactly, right. And I think that that giving back mentality is, um, it come, as I said to you, it comes back, right? It comes back or once upon a time it already came to you. So you're like, you know what, you see it, you're, you're an open palm or a fist. So a fist, nothing goes in, nothing goes out. So if you come into my office, I've got a hand about this big, green, yeah. open. Yeah, nice. And that symbolizes information, mm-hmm. knowledge, wealth, open. Giving and receiving. Yeah, great. Anyway. Yeah, awesome. But no, thanks again for joining us thanks this week. Thanks for having me. All right, thank I you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, Janash. Thank you.
thanks everyone for listening to another episode of Lifelong Learner. If you liked our episode and what you heard, please leave us a review on uh, the platform that you've been listening on. And to find out more about us, please tune in to lifelonglearnerpodcast.com and you can find out some updates about what's happening and get updates on as episodes drop. Thanks again.